Arizona, Arizona Sports. Sports. Burns and Gambo talk with the decision maker from the Coyotes front office. Brought to you by Midwestern University Clinics in Glendale. Faculty and graduate student-led comprehensive health care. Visit MWUClinics.com to schedule an appointment. Back here on the Burns and Gambo Show, 3 o'clock hour here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, the Coyotes, back in action when they host the Dallas Stars on Friday at Mullet Arena. Just a handful of games left for the Coyotes this year, seven to be exact. And then obviously the big day for the organization coming up in mid-May in the city of Tempe. And joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line, the president and CEO of the Coyotes, Javier Gutierrez, here on Burns and Gambo. Javier, how are you doing today? Hey, guys. Always great to talk to you. Really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. A lot of things to go over right now. Ballots are going to go out on April 19th, so we're not that far away. But I want you to address what's going on with Phoenix and Tempe and Sky Harbor Airport. I mean, I know the Phoenix Rising have a a stadium that's right right by the South Runway. And, of course, the the Diamondbacks Chase Field is basically in in the area of where where planes are, are taking off and just about landing is is this really just about a handful of apartment units in temporary or do you think it's some more than that really this is this is just about politics it's not even about uh, a legal matter and actually if you even look at the lawsuit the lawsuit has nothing to do with our project as you guys saw Last, uh, the end of November, uh, the CEO of Sky Harbor got there, uh, in front of the city council of Tempe, who approved this project, 7-0, and publicly stated that, uh, we as the developer had come to a successful agreement with the airport and that they would no longer publicly oppose our project. And in fact, this lawsuit really has nothing to do with our project. If you read it, it is about uh, the city of Phoenix wanting the city of Tempe to prevent any future residential um, units in this, you know, 65 uh, decibel contour zone. So basically the no easy part of the flight path that they claim. Uh, And they also want the city of Tempe to just agree to all of the um, infrastructure expansions for the airport without giving them much detail. So, So this is really a matter of Phoenix trying to leverage this opportunity uh, to uh, to get Tempe to agree to something that the city of Tempe wants to either decide to do or not. And uh, for us, listen, we have a 7-0 approval from the city council uh, on our uh, development agreement, on our entitlements, on our zoning. And after voters approve uh, and say yes on propositions 301, 302, and 303, uh, it'll be ratified and, and we're going to continue to move forward. So is it is it your position then that this lawsuit doesn't really impact your preparations going into that vote your your you know asking for votes getting out there trying to convince people to vote for this what sort of impact does the organization even though they're not named in the lawsuit how do you feel what sort of impact does it have on your efforts to get a yes vote on this thing in a couple of months Javier I think it's fired up the the folks in Tempe who I think are pretty tired of feeling like they're always getting bullied by uh, the city of Phoenix. And that's been the reaction we've seen in the in the hours since uh, that lawsuit and the days since that lawsuit is, you know, folks in Tempe have seen this, you know, story before. And it's the city of Phoenix 
leveraging whatever is in front of them in order to try to keep uh, Tempe in a certain situation uh, and and not progressing move forward. And uh, you guys certainly know the story of the Cardinal Stadium uh, as one of the major examples. And so uh, we continue to move forward. We continue to, to seek voter approval. And if anything, uh, the folks we're hearing from in Tempe are, are pretty fired up, feeling like they're getting bullied and they're not going to stand for it. Let me ask you about the opponents. You know, one of them is, and I'm looking at the voting history right now for eight or nine years for Lauren Kuby, who's a council woman, and it does look like, you know, she voted to spend the $40 million to keep the Angels in Tempe, but she's against your project. Why do you think that is? Well, you know, you, you, you're mentioning one of the more vocal um, critics of this project, and, and quite frankly, we think it's been quite hypocritical here. As you just mentioned, former council member uh, uh, for the city of Tempe who was there and voted for almost $41 million of taxpayer money, of Tempe taxpayer money, to go into uh, the renovation at Tempe Diablo Stadium, number one. Number two, someone who's voted for numerous Jeeplets or these these property tax abatements up and down Tempe Town Lake, and so it's been it's been really shocking to to see the opposition from her, given that she's certainly been more than willing to have taxpayers pay for uh, stadiums, and this isn't it. As we've said over and over again, this is an opportunity to bring jobs, to bring revenue, to clean up a toxic hazardous landfill that's owned by the city. And Tempe taxpayers don't pay for it. We feel very confident in that message, that it's resonating, and that uh, come May 16th, we will get voter approval of Propositions 301, 302, and 303. Javier, let me go back to the airport complaint statement. Is there anything that could derail the vote or this lawsuit? I mean, it's you know in, in, in front of a judge now. I mean, what what is there anything that could happen that could that could not make this vote go through in on April 19th? So, so, again, we are not a party to the lawsuit, so I don't want to comment per se uh, on specifics of the lawsuit. But our legal uh, you know, representations have certainly assured us that nothing is uh, stopping us from moving forward with the vote whatsoever. OK. The other thing is when you look at, you know, all the you're making all the great arguments for, you know, taking this 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 dump of a landfill and turning it to something that will create jobs and and tax money coming into Tempe. I better these these votes are usually close. The Cardinals lost the first vote in Mesa, 60, 40. They they won their second one, 51, 49. So what are some of the things you are doing in these final weeks to to get the people of Tempe to understand the importance of this project? Because, again, these votes. Votes for with, with with sports owners usually are pretty close. Yeah, so we agree with you. When you look at the the history of votes like this, they're always fairly close. Uh, for us, it's pretty simple: get the message out. Because the reality is, uh, most people still aren't aware even that there's an election. And that's just that's just the facts. And so, one, let them know that there's a special election, mail-in only. And number two, give them the, the, the facts. Start with the fact that 7-0 unanimous approval by that city council, including Mayor Corey Woods, who called it the best sports deal in the history of Arizona. 
And so you start with that, then you actually go into the specifics. It'll create almost 7,000 new permanent jobs. It'll create new revenue that the city needs to really address one of its biggest problems, which is housing. This will be an opportunity to create a, 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 a revenue from a landfill that currently generates no revenue to then have the ability to address some of these housing issues that the Tempe has been a champion in. And then obviously you're cleaning up this hazardous environmental issue. This landfill that's city owned that currently is a $210 million liability. And then probably the most important, because this would be the first privately financed sports and entertainment venue in the history of Arizona, because Tempe taxpayers do not pay for any part of this district. And so for us, it's about getting the message saturated, knocking on doors, mailers, uh, digital media. And then what you saw today, just massive media exposure. We had an incredible press conference today, which I'm sure we can get into, and an, an incredible rally. And it's, you know, really telling the Tempe voters that there is a broad based coalition of union leaders, community leaders, business leaders, elected officials, the four former mayors, four former mayors all coming together. They're not on the same side of the aisle, and they certainly have had massive disagreements all coming together to support this. And the majority of all former city council members and again, union labor leaders with business leaders. That's the kind of coalition that really makes this incredibly special. And we see that the Tempe voters are seeing that and that they will approve propositions 301, 302, and 303. All right, leave us with this, Javier, before we let you go. The the vote is on May 16th. The ballots start going out soonish, right? Today's March 30th. Get one last refresher course on the timeline for all this for you guys. Yes, so make sure that you're registered to vote if you're a Tempe uh, voter. Uh, by April 17th, or make sure that your address is correct. The ballots will then be mailed that week after to your home. You have until May 16th to either drop them off or to have them be received. So we encourage people to mail them if they're going to mail them no later than May 9th. Again, it is a mail-in only special election. And, uh, you know, we seek voter approval for propositions 301, 302, and 303. Say yes on them because this is truly an opportunity to turn a landfill into a landmark. Javier, we appreciate the time as always. Thank you for coming on for a few minutes, and I'm sure we'll talk to you before the vote, okay? Hey, guys, always appreciate your help and your support, and uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, Javier. Javier Gutierrez from the Arizona Coyotes, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line and Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, as we're live from the Akshin Community Studios. Join me and the Arizona Sports promo team on Saturday, this Saturday, from 10 a.m. to noon at the new Fulton Homes Community, Barney Farms in Queen Creek. We'll be hosting a two-seconds-is-too-long drowning prevention event. We'll be giving you the chance to win Diamondback, tickets. We'll have live CPR demonstrations from the YMCA and the Queen Creek Fire Department. Drowning is 100% preventable. Come out and learn how to keep your kids, our kids, safe around water. When we come back, how does Kevin Durant feel about his legacy as he goes for another championship? A revealing interview that he had on a website. We'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo Show. and Gambo. Afternoons. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader.
Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. Next up for the Suns tomorrow night. We'll be down there, actually, at Footprint Center. Suns and the Denver Nuggets tomorrow night. Now, Nuggets play tonight. Play the Pelicans tonight. So they'll be on the yes, second night of a back-to-back. Yeah, that'll be interesting. So that might rob us a little bit of the, the sheer intensity of that matchup, given that they're going to be on the second night of a back-to-back. But it still is a really, really good litmus test for this team right now because the Nuggets are the number one seed in the Western Conference and have been basically since the middle of December. I'm really looking forward to see how they match up. I thought, yesterday was, I thought yesterday was a good test. Better than Dallas oh, and no, no. Chicago and Oklahoma City. It's a team that had been playing good basketball. Yep. It's a team that's got some you know talented young players. I mean, Nas Reed was and Edwards and and Cat and Rudy Gobert. I mean, it was it was a good test. I mean, it was a hard fought game. They didn't really have the game won until like you know kind of later in the fourth quarter. I mean, it was a close game. So I even at I thought it was a good test for them, a better test than what we've seen in the three previous games. Oh, there's no KD. doubt. Yeah, I was just saying that the Nuggets are like almost the ultimate test in yes. a way. Like outside of playing Milwaukee or Boston at this point, like if you really want to test yourself against one of the best, that's really a great way to do it. But I agree. Last night was a, that was a good quality win against what I thought was a good quality opponent. We were worried about their guys and whether their guys were going to be able to play because of this illness that was kind of going through the T-Wolves locker room. And they mostly all did. Anthony Edwards, obviously, was. they were all mostly out there. So it was a good quality win. And, of course, it was just good to see Kevin Durant. Now, it was an awkward game for him. It was an unusual kind of off-rhythm game for him. I don't think we're going to see a lot of those out of him. And certainly, we haven't seen a lot of those out of him. Uh, there's a lot of attention on Kevin Durant right now around the NBA. And and rightfully so. As there should be. He's one of the, mm-hmm. the brightest stars in the league. He's one of the most talked about guys in the league. Today on the Athletic website, Sham Sharania did um, did an article, an, uh, an exclusive interview, one-on-one with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant unplugged on his return to action with the Suns, his legacy, his next exit, and more. Quote, this is the one that everyone's getting all the attention here. Quote, I don't care about legacy, Durant told The Athletic. I used to. I used to want to carve out a lane or space in this game for myself that people can remember. But it's become too much of a thing now. It becomes too much of a focus on other people. What's he done? What's he done? Comparisons. Before, when we wasn't doing all this debating, I cared about it. I'm about to be in the same breath as these top guys. It was big. Nowadays, I truly, truly don't care. I truly just want to go out there and produce. I love the best that I, I, I just, could be. What an incredible comment. I, I mean, just don't honestly, care anymore. Just in, I wonder if it's that because, like, you're there. You're there. You've got rings. Nobody can take those away from you. You've got, you know, the people respect you as one of the great players in the history of the game. You don't have to, you don't have to argue that you are. You don't have to bait, debate with anybody that you are. If anybody, you know, criticizes you, man, you're going to the Hall of Fame. You're one of the greatest players that's ever, that's ever played. You've got rings, two of them. Like, I think that could be it. I think when you're fighting to get there, you might feel a need to argue with people and fight it and, and stuff like that. I think when you get there and you arrive, it's, 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 I, I remember Devin Booker with a, a national guy. I won't say who it is. And, and, and this was before the bubble. This was before the bubble. Okay. 
And somebody had said he's not like good enough to carry a team. He should be like a second player. And I remember walking into the clubhouse and he kind of was yelling at the guy. Not good enough to after he had a great game. Not good enough to carry a team, huh? Not good enough to be the main guy. Like saying that to him. And I remember exactly who it is, and the person knows it, but a national guy. And and Book had words because you think you think about it a lot when you're when you're younger and you haven't arrived. By that time, Booker had not made an all-star team, was not on the Olympic team. He was trying to create his niche. He knew he was good. We knew he was good. But at that time, there was a debate as to, okay, how good is he? Like, okay, how, like, yeah. how good is he when the team's winning 24 games every year? How good can the guy be? Well, now you see him, and he's one of the top 10 players in the game. Arguably one of the top 10 players in the game. I think Durant has gotten to the point that... There's like, there is, he's great. There is no, you're not going to knock, nothing's going to knock him down a notch. The Suns could lose in the first round of the NBA playoffs. And Kevin Durant is still one of the greatest players that's ever played this game. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're younger, you lose a series like that and it hurts you. It hurts you. And you are thinking about legacy. And that, oh my God, that hurts. That hurts the legacy. But I don't think with Durant, I don't, I mean, I think the legacy is established. I think, I kind of think that's what he said. I love the comment. I think it's a fascinating comment. Yeah, no, I I think that is, in fact, I'm almost positive that is what he's saying. It's it's funny. I look at it from the perspective of a Suns fan. Like, okay, I get it. The national perception of Kevin Durant is one of exactly like you said. He's a first battle Hall of Famer. There's nothing else he has to prove. There's nothing else he has to accomplish to kind of prove his worth or he belongs. I do think here in Phoenix, given the price that was paid to get him, they're like it's not good enough for them to lose in the first round. It's not good enough for them to not win a championship. Like the burden of Kevin Durant and what he has to do, he might look at it and say, I don't have to do anything. I've proven everything there is to prove. I'm just going to go out there and have fun and not worry about the expectations. But I'm just telling you as a Suns fan, I I have expectations on Kevin Durant, right? Like th- this thing. Did you have them on Chris Paul? Um, no, he's one of the greatest point guards that's ever played the game. He he is. That to me was different. And it was different in large part because I really felt like Chris Paul truly was near the end of his career. And I feel like Kevin Durant still has a lot of good basketball left. You know, like it was there was a little bit of an age factor in that for me. Let me ask you another question. Do you think that he can add to his legacy with a championship here in Phoenix? Oh, of course. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Okay, that's one. Oh, yeah. Two part question. question. And I agree. I think he could add to his legacy. Kevin Durant's done this, 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 and this, and he took the Suns to their first ever championship. Can he hurt his legacy if they don't win? Nationally, no. Locally, yes. Okay. Do you see the distinction I'm going for here? Like like national So if I said Shaq didn't deliver, that didn't hurt his legacy that no. he didn't deliver. No. He didn't deliver. No, he's he an all star here in Phoenix. He, he but, but I didn't have those expectations on Shaq when he got here. I, I you, uh, when he pointed to the the ring and I, the, no the freaking crowd went crazy. You didn't. I didn't think. Oh, there goes the guy who's going to win a championship for the Suns. That thought Nash, never Amari, once. Nope, and never Shaq, once, never once. Wow, never once did that thought pop in my head. What I thought was, this is it. It's over. They got desperate. That was my exact, honest to God, that was my, as a forever Suns fan, that was my exact thought when they made the trade for Shaquille O'Neal was, this organization is desperate now. The Lakers just got Pau Gasol. Seven seconds or less is done. They're desperate. They're reaching. They went out and got Shaq. Getting Kevin Durant is not desperate for me. Getting Kevin Durant is a, okay, 
We we are truly going to make ourselves a force to be reckoned with in this league. Let's go get one of the best of all time. While he's still one of the best of all time, Shaq wasn't one no, of the he best wasn't of the all same. time. He was, he the was same not guy. the same. Kevin Durant is still right now today one of the best of all time. What Shaq was was I always refer to boxing, but like Mike Tyson at the end when yeah. he wasn't good enough, but the name okay. alone was like wow. I'm going to reverse. I'm going to pay fifty dollars to watch Mike Tyson fight, even though he's not good anymore. Did you think? That Shaq, when he got here, it was like, there we go, championship time for the Phoenix Suns. Did you no, really think that? No, because I was a huge, huge... Sean Marion's my favorite Sun player of all time. Okay. I thought they made a terrible mistake. But remember, like, I, 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 I talked to Steve Kerr that night. Like, what the hell are you doing? And Steve said, Gamble, it wasn't me. I didn't want to make this trade. I said, what, what happened? He goes, Mike wanted to make the trade. Yeah, it was and I didn't want to make the trade. I go, well, then, like, you're the GM. He's the coach. Don't make the trade. He goes, we went to Steve. And we said, well, we said, let's leave it up to Steve. Steve will make the final decision. So they went to Steve Nash, and Steve Nash okayed the trade. Yeah. Mike wanted to trade Steve Kerr, because I talked to Steve that night, and Steve Kerr told me that he didn't want to make the trade. I didn't think it was, I didn't think at the time that it was a good trade, because I thought Shaq was done. Uh-huh. Now, he played better than I expected him to when he was here, but I thought he was done when they got him. I'm surprised that you thought, I thought that meant the Suns were going to win a so championship. So many people I, did, though. I mean, like, I, so many people I did. I understand the reaction in the building when he points to the ring and everyone goes nuts. I, I that was not the reaction I was having when Shaq came. Were we here. doing the show at that time together? Nope, we, were we were not together. We were not together at that time. We were not together at that time. I I thought to myself, this is the last gasp of an organization trying to hang okay. on tight to their run. That's what I thought. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. He was up close and personal for the home debut of Kevin Durant, our son's guru, Kellen Olson. What did he take away from his return from injury? We'll talk with Kellen next. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns insider Kellen Olson joins Burns and Gambo to talk Phoenix Suns basketball. Hey, Kevin. Uh, Kellen Olson, Arizona Sports. Nice to meet you. Welcome to the Valley. Uh, oh, yeah. Can you say it again? I'm Kellen. Welcome to the Valley. Nice to meet you. Courtside with Kellen. Brought to you by Southwest Gas. Committed to exceeding expectations today while innovating sustainable solutions for tomorrow. Kellen joining us in studio, our son's guru from ArizonaSports.com. Um, how many people do you reckon were following you on Twitter last night between, say, 5.45 p.m. and 6.15 p.m., give or take a minute or two, Kellen? I was sitting next to uh, Brendan Clean, who does a lot of great work on Locked On Suns, and I tweeted the video of him coming out, and I was like, over under 57 and a half replies I get to this, just in panic, and sheer panic. And it was like 45 by the time Durant came off the floor, but it was an, an under, and I felt the need to not only say it, but visualize it, that he's coming off the floor, yeah. nothing happened, everything's fine. fine, so for all we know, he is going to play, nothing yeah. happened. It was such a bizarre thing. Like I had people tweeting to me earlier in the week, videos of him taking jump shots, and being like, can you tell him not to jump? Yeah, tell the basketball player yeah. not to jump. Like, hey, people hey, were, hey, it's Kellen Olsen. <laughs> Who? Kellen? I, the, people the were bigger, losing their minds. I know. The bigger question is, do you think that you could eat crackers off of Dan Bickley's head? Oh, you saw that video? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just showed it to me yesterday. I'm yeah. Like, I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, I was I was struck by the the, uh, the difference. Here. Now, poor Bickley, anyone stands next to me, they get called like 5-2. And yeah. someone replied like, I don't want to hear anyone's 
basketball opinion who's 5'4". It's like suddenly because I'm 6'5", I can talk about basketball and Dan can't. Like yeah, yeah, like that has anything to do with anything. But Next time you're at a game game, we should do a stand-up together, huh? I'm a little taller than Bickley. <laughs> you so. are, you are. I'm kidding. A little bit taller. I'm so. Josh. And, uh. Well, it was, um, in some ways, we, we've been talking about this debut all day long. And in some ways, this, this, last night kind of felt like the game we probably should have gotten in game one or game two. And maybe because we got such a dynamic debut from Kevin Durant those first three games. Games, we figured we were past the rough stuff and we were over the hard part. And last night was kind of a reminder that he's still a human being and it's an awkward situation making your home debut. And the guys played, what, four basketball games in three and a half months, right? It's going to be awkward, potentially. Yeah, it's been a weird four games because of the extremes. He misses 13 total shots in those first three games combined and he missed 13 shots last night. Like, we're going to find a middle ground there that's going to lean more towards the good than the bad, of course. But I feel confident in guaranteeing that's the worst game he's going to play for the Suns the rest of the year. Like, I feel pretty confident in saying that. His standard on a night-to-night basis, Gamble, that's the point you make all the time, right, is when guys get to the star superstar level nine times out of ten, nine times out of ten, they are yeah. going to play at that level, and he's a 99 out of 100 kind of guy. Like 70, 70 out of, you're, everybody's going to have five to ten off games. The yeah. superstar players are going to play 65, 70 great games, where they're just great, and they'll have the five to ten off games, but I learned this from a, from a, a, a very good NBA executive, GM, former player. I've learned a lot about that, how you judge superstar to great to good to average players. And I'm telling you, that's the method that a lot of guys use it. How many times can this guy go out there and be great every single night? And that's like, okay, how many times can DeAndre Ayton do that in 82 games? I mean, it's not more than 20 or 25. So that's what separates like a, you know, a good player from a great player. It's funny how we got so hyper-focused on Kevin Durant, rightfully so, because it was his home day and the pregame warm-up thing and just everything, right? Because lost in that at the end of the game was everything that we've been talking about with why this team is going to be so unstoppable on offense. Like Chris said it after the game. He talked about defense first, but then he's like, offense, I feel like we're going to get whatever we want, to be honest. Like, it's not going to be. And then the point he made later is, look, some nights it's going to be this, where it's me and DeAndre, and we're going to run the two-man game. And if you think about the spacing, it's a two-on-two with Chris Paul and DeAndre Aiden. I don't care who's guarding that. You're not going to do very well against that. And the reason why there's not more team defense involved is because Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are in the action next to those help spots where guys can't help off them. So that's something we talked about a lot at the time of the trade and reinforces a point that I've been making everywhere and I'll continue to make is that if their four best players play to their capabilities, they are going to win a championship. There is no higher ceiling that any other team has in the league. And it's I don't even think it's close, to be honest. And that's one of the reasons is because, okay, Booker and Durant don't really play all that well. And it's funny saying Booker didn't play that well. He didn't shoot the ball all that well. He got to the line and still had a pretty solid game. Durant didn't really have a good game offensively. Oh, that's fine. Chris Paul and DeAndre can just do the thing for the last six minutes of the game and win the game. That I way. don't think their three. Is, I don't think their top three is good as Milwaukee's top three. If I, I'm adding the if, right? If Middle, I had to Middleton's pick, been great since he in the last couple games. Yeah. I would still take the Suns' big three because of, because of the big two of the big three. But I, I see what you're saying. I, Milwaukee is a huge, huge test. But again, if. 
if those two other guys, Chris Paul and DeAndre, played at the level, and then we expect Kevin and Devin to, of course, but if they do, no one's going to beat him. Well, and honestly, that's what that's what I thought was missing from Kevin Durant's first debut with the Suns for those three games was that that they needed to establish the two man Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, even even for just little pockets here or there, because that's such a strong weapon they can use. And so while I was discouraged at the game that Kevin Durant had, I mean not like fatally so, just just a little discouraged by it. I was encouraged that in the fourth quarter that two man game was working because I think that two man game is going to be a very viable source of offense for them, especially with KD and Book hanging out in those spots where their defenders just are not going to be able to leave them. It's a huge advantage for them. It's, it's huge, yeah, and, and it's it's funny to see that game come up as well, just because this is part of what we talked about. Like they only have a certain amount of time to figure this out, so there are going to be certain points across this run where it is going to lo- look a little bit stagnant offensively, but they were still able to win this game against a team defensively that is pretty well suited to defend them. Book said it last night, like not many teams have two really good perimeter defenders like they do. Jade McDaniels is maybe going to make an all-defense team this year, and Anthony Edwards will make one for the rest of his career if he decides he wants to, because we saw it earlier in the year when he was guarding Book here, how tremendous he is defensively. It's just a matter of him figuring out that offense-defense balance in the part of his game, and then you've got Rudy Gobert clogging up the paint. So, Well, the refs had it out for Minnesota last night. It was obvious. <laughs> I mean, they just uh, think every call went the Suns way. <laughs> that shoe was on the other foot. You're not going to get baited into a referee conversation, Kellen? I want to have a Rudy Gobert conversation. That's what I don't want to have. I'll have a Nas Reed conversation. You kidding me? I won't have a Rudy Gobert conversation. Nas, Nas Reed is good. Yeah, he's going to be a, he's he's a, free, a free agent. agent. Yeah. He's a free agent. There's a smart team that is going to pay him, and they are going to wind up looking really, really wise and giving him money. Yeah. Monty called him a starter pregame. Like he's a, he's a big, Minnesota's a good team. That's, that's the point there. Minnesota's Wait. a pretty good team, and they played pretty well defensively, and it just wasn't enough cohesion for them on the other end to be able to offset it getting to that six-minute stretch where the Suns dominated. Don't want to spend a lot of time in this because we're going to talk about this in the 4 o'clock hour, but just give me your thoughts on how Monty used the bench. I mean, it's clear now um, after these last few games, you could kind of see the direction that he's headed towards for the playoffs. So Craig is the guy that's like, Lathered in cement in concrete, like he's 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 the guy that's coming off first as the wing, and then there is going to be one guy that's a backup center if they choose to play a backup center. We'll see if they start to How play do you not go biz some small ball five. Maybe it'll be biz, maybe it'll be Jock, depending on the matchup. Jock's played some really good basketball this year. Biz has as well, <clears throat> and then <clears throat> at backup point guard. That's where campaign gets in, but as he said on your show earlier in the week, he might play seven minutes some nights, and then other nights he might play 25. Like It's really uncertain with him. And then there's the other two spots. There's a wing spot there, and then there's more of a forward spot there. TJ Warren and Terrence Ross are getting it for now, uh, but I could see Ish Wainwright getting the nods certain nights. His defensive versatility is a huge plus. I could see Landry Shamit getting those nods some nights because of his defense. If you're looking at the offense defense and in those little rotations, there was a really clever thing that Monty did is that when those lineups came back in at the start of the second and the fourth quarters with Kevin Durant on the floor, Torrey Craig was back out there in place of TJ Warren. So TJ Warren was in and then he came back out. And then when Kevin came out, TJ came back in. So it's like those, that delicate balance of too much offense, too much defense. He's trying to figure it out. And 
I thought he did a pretty good job of it last night. Yeah, it, it, it feels like it's going to be it's something to watch. I mean, it's, it's I don't know if it's the main thing to watch. I think how the big four kind of gel and work together is the most important thing. But but we've spent a lot of time talking about it. We are going to spend a lot of time talking about it today. Just the different bodies and the different, it almost feels like a, a an audition that's going on out there, almost on a nightly basis where, you know, for a week it was all Landry and then it was all TJ. And for a week it was no Ish and then Ish was back and now Ish is gone, right? I mean, just trying lots of different guys on for size right now, it feels like, in the dressing room. Yeah, and the one thing Warren and Ross have all over all those guys is they have the capability to really, really swing a game. And we've seen that in the last week with how they've played. But if Ross and Warren play in the rotation in the first round, one of them is going to have one of those 13, 15, 17 point games off the bench. It winds up being a difference in the game. And that's the type of capability that they have and the reason why I believe that Monty has been looking to play them a lot more. Are you right. amazed like we are just uh, about James Jones's faith in Cameron Payne? For years, we've been talking about every point guard that, the point guard that comes on the market, whether the sun should go get him and they've resisted the temptation he loves campaign cam has played cam played well last night he played well in the last game he's starting to reward the faith in him for sure, yeah. I think coming into this season, uh, that was the the point in the faith where it was it was a bit uh, alarming, I guess, if that's the right word that I'm looking for, just because of the year that Payne had last year and how the postseason ended for him. Like that was just an absolute roller coaster for him through those games and midway through the Dallas series, he gets put on the bench, uh, and then this year they they kind of just still entrust him a bit. And they're looking at other guard options as well, but still uh, gave him that ball. And and the interesting thing about the post Durant trade kind of land landscape is we talked about how much of an X-Factor he is and how much of an X-Factor Landry Shamit is. Uh, by the time the first round rolls around, Kevin Durant's playing 40 minutes, Booker's playing 40 minutes, Paul's playing 36-38. Like, those guys aren't even going to play that much anyway. So, Especially with the dynamics of the ball handler and how Durant can come in and just run the offense when he comes in. You don't need someone else to run it for him. It, he doesn't become as important now as well. Everything Kellen does can be found at ArizonaSports.com when it comes to covering the Suns, including the Empire of the Suns podcast. Podcast, all the writings about the Suns, you can find it at ArizonaSports.com. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Kellen Olsen joining us in studio. The Phoenix Rising season kicks off this Saturday against San Diego Loyal SC. We're giving you the chance to win tickets. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for details and your chance to win. Did you see what Anthony Richardson did today? What does that mean for the Cardinals sitting at number three in the drafts? That's coming up next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Anthony's arm strength is his superpower, but everything just looks so easy. As you can see, everything's so fluid. As you can see, he hit the ceiling right there. There we go. We get quarterback hitting the ceiling. As you see, he gets a big laugh right there. You're listening in your car right now. You're thinking, what the hell am I listening to? Superpower. That was ESPN's coverage of Anthony Richardson's pro day. One of his throws went into the ceiling, like hit the ceiling. Jeez, you know, you know, like you know, like at, at Tampa Bay's ballpark, they've got those catwalks. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, like yeah. Sometimes the uh, hit the ball, hits the, hit light. the ball so high it hits a light or hits yeah. a catwalk and or something. Like, where is it? Where is it? Ball? Apparently, that's what happened with one of Anthony Richardson. He hit the ceiling. He hit the ceiling. He uh, how high is the ceiling? I I don't know. I don't know. I I read. And I didn't watch any of it because I'm not going to watch a pro day. But but apparently, in one of the recaps I was reading. 
He overthrew a wide receiver who was 70 yards away. He overthrew a guy who was 70 yards down so the field. So he could throw the ball 75, 80 yards down the field. Apparently, and, and in reading about his pro day, all of his quarterback gurus and everything said, really the big goal that we had today wasn't to show off the arm strength. Everybody knows the guy's got a hose, right? What we were trying to show is that he's got the accuracy, that he can throw a 5-yard pass, a 10-yard pass, a 15-yard pass with the degree of accuracy that you need to be able to throw it in the NFL because that's the one thing that people, they know he can run, they know he can jump, they know he's they've got a cannon. We all know that. Can he throw the little 10-yard pass from here to there? I'm watching the video of him hitting the ceiling. Are you? Yeah, I'm looking at the video. Sorry, this is incredible. He, I mean, it's... He's a freak. Yeah, he's a freak. He, he's a freak. He's, he's a show to me. Let me see. Let me see. All right, so I'm looking at the, He throws it. And the wide receiver's, receiver's like, like, whoa, where'd it go? Yeah, it hit the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's laughing because it hit the ceiling. Like, he looks like <laughs> an incredible physical specimen with a great arm. And, you know, this... And, and the fact that his completion percentage wasn't very high. Look, somebody's going to get their hands on Nick. You're going to work with this kid. There's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of potential. I mean, he can run. He could throw it. He could chuck it a mile. Somebody's going to... That's why I, I agreed with you yesterday, man. There, three quarterbacks are going in the top five. He's going to be one of them. I think him over Will Leffis any day of the week. Now... It's not just the pro day. It's just, you know, teams will look at a guy like this and they'll say, look, there's a lot of quarterbacks that need to develop. So he's just one of them. I mean, he's not a finished product right now, but you'd like to work with something like that because there's so much potential. I mean, there are certain things you can't teach. Okay, the fact that he can throw the ball 75, 80 yards down the field, you don't want to, you know, you can't teach that. Like you can't like that's not something like, hey, let me throw. Let me see if you can throw the ball the length. He could do it. You either can do that or you can't do it. You can work on your strength a little bit, gain a couple of yards, but not like him. No, you don't ob- get that. Now, obviously, this has deep connections with the Arizona Cardinals. Not because they need a quarterback at number three, but because sitting at number three, it would seem like Anthony Richardson would be the target for teams to come up and get, depending on how much they like him. Yeah. Right? That that we're assuming C.J. Stroud one, we're assuming Bryce Young two. Right now, and I saw the story on CardsWire.com in terms of betting odds. Take it for what it's worth, all right? But Anthony Richardson right now is the favorite, the betting favorite, to be the number three player taken overall in the NFL draft. That's substantial. For most of the last couple of months, it's been Will Anderson, right? Like, he's been the presumed number three. It suggests a trade. It suggests a team moving up to three with the Cardinals to get Anthony Richardson. Again, like we've had this conversation, who is that team how far are you willing to fall if you're the Cardinals? And how big of a marketplace is there to come up and get Anthony Richardson, especially after a pro day where he hit the damn ceiling, for goodness yeah. sakes? I mean, he, he, he's the guy. He He's the guy that some team is just going to be salivating over. Like, I gotta, I have to get this guy. I have to. Carolina and the Raiders appear to be the, you know, the teams. I mean, it could be the Colts, the Falcons, but, you know, and it might be more than one, which would be great for the Cardinals, too, right? I mean, if you've got multiple teams that are enamored with this kid and his unbelievable atten- ability to throw the football down the field. Now, you may look at his college football record. He was six and seven with Florida. Judge 
Josh Allen didn't win all his games in Wyoming. He mm-hmm. was a you know a little bit over five hundred, but his record at Wyoming wasn't like you know great. It was like he was twenty five and two at Wyoming. He lost a lot of games. I don't think you put that much stock in it. I think you you look at the pro day, you look at the combine, you look at the film, and you figure out if this kid could be great. And is, and obviously there's enough teams that think he is to where if the Cardinals do want to make a trade, I'm almost positive they'll be able to make one. Tom Pelissero reported that uh, Richardson met with Carolina. Now they've got the number one pick. I, I don't think anyone thinks that's going to happen, but who knows? I guess that's ba- that bears watching. They and, and pa- the Panthers are doing due diligence, I'm sure, and just meeting with everybody. How could they not. Um, apparently, he also had dinner with the Vegas Raiders on Wednesday. Okay, they're sitting with the seventh pick. Okay, you like that spot? I know you do. Uh, I do. I, I, you don't drop down too far. You, you still probably got like Tyree Wilson or somebody. Mm-hmm. You could still get a mm-hmm. premier corner, a premier pass rusher, one of the best in this draft, and still get a bevy of picks to do it. Uh, I understand Pete Carroll was at yesterday's or today's workout. The Seahawks are sitting at number five. And, I don't know if they would deal with a division rival. Gino's contract, if I'm mistaken, get out of it, out of it after a year. Correct. Okay. It's it's a three year deal. It's pretty easy for them to move on okay. after a year. Okay. From the way I I understand it, I've got Anthony Richardson's draft profile. I think we've played it. I can't remember who voiced it. Max Starks. <laughs> it's great to be a Florida Gator. It's you should have had Max Starks do that one. Should have. What uh, is it? Old school, new school. It's new school. So it's either Zach, Jarrett, or Jesse. And I'll go ahead and let you guess first because I I think we've played it. I can't remember who it is though. I'm going to rule Jarrett out. I'll go with Zach. I. Are we allowed to pick the same one? No. We're not? No. If I get it right, I get the next pick. If you get it right, you get the next pick. All right. If I can't pick Zach, I'll pick Jesse. But I think you're right. I think it's Zach. Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida. Under the radar up until the 2022 college football season, Richardson is a dual-threat quarterback with elite physical features, standing at 6'4 and weighing 244 pounds of pure muscle. He has some speed as well, running a 4-4-3 40-yard dash at this year's combine. The concerns around Richardson revolve around his accuracy, completing just 53% of his passes in his final season with the Gators. But his ability to make explosive plays in the air or on the ground make him a viable option for any team in need of a quarterback. NFL comp former Carolina Panthers quarterback Cam Newton. Good draft profile. Slightly obnoxious music behind him. Just slightly obnoxious soundtrack to that draft profile. Mm. Just a little bit. That's uh, just what it sounds like at Anthony Richardson's pro day. <laughs> I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be you know grumpy old guy yelling at a cloud. But the music, ah, I don't know about that. That was a little a little much for me. Um, look, let's see what happens. He, I, I think you're right. He's the guy. He's the guy. He's the guy. Mm-hmm. Now let's see who wants him. Who's gonna? Who's gonna? I think there'll be several teams. Is it the Colts? Can the Cardinals just drop one spot? Is it the Raiders? Do they fall to seven? Is it Seattle? Do you do a trade with a division rival? Is it? Yes. Is it Atlanta at eight? I don't know if I'd want to go much further than that. That's probably about the limit to where I'd want to go. On the record of saying that you want to be inside the top ten, you're on the record. You've said that a couple times. Yeah. You don't want to drop to 12 or 15 or anything like that. You, uh, because th- the reality is you could still get the best player. 
or, you know, at a position. You might be able to get the best cornerback, the kid from Oregon at that spot. You yeah. may be able to get the best offensive lineman. You might be able to get the second best edge rusher. Look, you might be able to get Jalen Carter if he doesn't fall too far off the board and, you, and you, your, your grades on him are good. So there's still the chance to get a really good football player. But if once you start getting to 15 in the middle of the draft, you're talking about the second, third best player in a position. I, I don't, I, I'd rather stay where they are. All right. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, look at that. It's four o'clock already. Top stories of the day, all in one spot. The four o'clock reset is next on Burns and Gambo.